Martha mentioned uh, we have family service here today and that I was going to be um, receptive to the presence of children in our congregation. By the way, um, we are a church that welcomes children (laughs) as Jesus has welcomed children. So we're just delighted to have our kids with us here in the service this morning. And I think this homily is going to be about 13, maybe 15 minutes. So just parents, just drop your guard. We're good. We're all good here. One of the beloved classics of Christmas film is, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. And as you know, the story follows George Bailey, this compassionate and selfless man who at various points throughout the film is having a midlife crisis. Towards the end, faces financial ruin, contemplates taking his own life on Christmas Eve. However, his guardian angel, Clarence, arrives on the scene, he intervenes and shows George what his life would have been like, what the community's life would have been like had he never been born. And the narrative unfolds through a series of flashbacks, revealing George's influence and the positive impact that he had on his family, his friends, really the whole community. Despite facing numerous challenges and setbacks, George realizes this profound influence And he gains this renewed appreciation for the love, the support, the friendship that he has with others in the community. That discovery wouldn't have been possible without Clarence. It was the angel of the Lord that helped George Bailey see what was really going on in his life. Of all the characters that we find in the nativity narrative, the angels probably receive the least attention, and yet their contribution is significant. You know, we start talking about angels, we often think of in esoteric terms. It's like the fringe science of the Bible, the stuff that you hear in the middle of the night on AM radio. But the reality of angels is a thoroughly Jewish reality. Their presence in their ministry is recorded throughout the Old Testament all the way into the New. The word angel appears three times as often in the New Testament as the word apostle. Two-thirds of all Christmas carols refer to the role of angels in the incarnation. Throughout the scriptures, in the Garden of Eden, in the lives of key figures in the Old Testament, thoroughly in the nation of Israel, throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, and certainly in that great heavenly scene that exists now and will forever, painted for us in the book of Revelation. Psalm 8 tells us something interesting, that human beings have been created a little lower than angels. It's important for us to note there that these are created beings, created by God just as humans have been created by God. Their appearance is occasional, not every day. Somehow, way, they exist in another realm, another dimension, but they're able to cross over into ours in pivotal moments to advance or defend the kingdom of God. We know the names of two of these angels, Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel, who we just read about just a moment ago. Michael seems to be the chief general in the armies of God. Gabriel, the chief messenger. The chief messenger who visits Zechariah and Mary announcing the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, respectively. 
At this point, you're probably thinking, what a weird topic for Christmas Eve. Angels. It's like the Jim Gaffigan old lady voice. Is he really going to talk about angels this whole time? <clears throat> a Scottish pastor Sinclair Ferguson notes that human beings are only one branch of God's family. There's another branch, the heavenly branch. And one day the two families shall meet. And he compares angels and humans to England and Scotland, two different peoples inhabiting the same island in a united kingdom. For George Bailey, the angel Clarence helped him to see what was really going on in his life. Could it be that the angel's perspective at the birth of Christ help us see what's really going on? This is, in fact, the invitation of verse 1 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host to proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Written by Charles Wesley in the 18th century for Christmas morning, this carol invites us to join the angels in understanding their reality. In understanding what they saw when they looked into that manger. So what is it that they saw? Why were they excited? Well, last week we noted that outside the relatives of Jesus, these angels appeared to no one else except the shepherds. In ancient Israel, as we noted, to be a shepherd was a noble calling. King David, after all, was a shepherd. Yahweh in numerous places is described as the shepherd of Israel. But by the first century, the Roman Empire viewed shepherds with suspicion, contempt, they viewed them as vagrants wandering the countryside outside the city. The shepherds, therefore, as we concluded last week, represented Israel in exile. I remember in Old Testament history, after generations of turning away from Yahweh, the people of God were uh, turned over to their own devices, taken into captivity by foreign nations starting in 722 B.C., and it was through that process that the people of God realized that the empires of this world were not interested in saving, but rather enslaving. It was Egypt all over again. So by the first century, the Jewish people had gone and lived through a series of landlords. And they were longing for redemption. They were searching for answers. And here's what's interesting. Just as the shepherds represented Israel's exile, Israel's exile represents this larger fracture amongst humanity, amongst the larger cosmos. It, it's the fracture created by our initial rebellion against God, what Scripture uniquely calls sin. Israel's turning away from God was simply and tragically emblematic of the larger human story. We weren't meant to do life apart from God. In fact, we weren't meant to do life apart from this other realm, this heavenly realm of angels. When Charles Wesley initially wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the first verse read, Hark how all the welkin rings glory to the King of Kings. Now, the word welkin in older forms of English means heavenly realm. 
And a few years after Wesley composed the lyrics, George Whitfield, the great preacher of the 18th century and a friend of Charles, changed the opening line to read, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, as we have it today. One scholar comments, I have wondered if anybody but Charles knew what a welkin was supposed to be. Maybe John looked at the draft version and said, it's ever so lovely, Charles, but what on earth is a welkin? So all the more reason to give thanks for the editorial work of George Whitfield. But to that, I say not so fast. I think perhaps Charles Wesley wrote that because he realized the magnitude of the nativity situation. Besides the fact that archaic English sounds brilliant, we all know deep down in the marrow of our bones that there is a greater spiritual realm beyond what we can see, touch, and feel, beyond sensory experience. It's in the nativity that we're able to see the true reality of these two realms coming together ever so uniquely in the person of Jesus Christ. There is, in fact, a parallel universe, the heavenly realm, that is interacting with our world in profound ways. Angels are the citizens of that other realm. And the jubilation of the angels, it reveals the heavenly branch and that that heavenly branch of God's family has been on pins and needles. Pins and needles waiting for God to come for God to fulfill his promises of redemption and once and for all to bring humanity home. In Romans chapter 8, for the creation waits with an eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. There's kind of this, this mutual yearning between the two realms. For years, I've read this passage and assumed that by creation, Paul meant the trees, the ocean, the animal kingdom, and that is certainly true. But I've never considered that there was another people, the other part of God's family, who were waiting for our redemption. The angels weren't just excited about Jesus. They had been with Jesus for millennia. They were excited for us. They were excited for what this meant for us. The angels rejoiced because they had waited for what seemed like an eternity for humanity to rejoin the family. And that reconciliation is now possible because God has come to bring us home. Two realms, visible and invisible, in a united kingdom. The angels are excited to look into that manger because the person that they find there is the way home for us all. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. So just like we saw in that piece of art this morning, the invitation of the angels is to join them looking into that manger. Just as we saw those figures in the artwork, as we stare into this manger, we find ourselves transformed. We leave behind 
our rebellious ways against God, we find the hope and the salvation that we've been looking for. When you look into that manger with the angels, you will find that it satisfies your spiritual longings. You know, for some of us, we've always had a restlessness of soul. We're not quite sure about where we find ourselves spiritually even this morning. The story tells us that the angels can relate. Waited for this one moment, but they finally found the answers that they were looking for in that manger. The invitation for you this morning is to join with those angels. Those angels show us that we have been embraced into God's family through looking to Christ. You know, we want to gather around loved ones during the holiday season. But for some of the us, those people aren't necessarily around. Or even if they are, they aren't very loving. <laughs> we have this longing in the human heart for real, genuine, loving family. For the embrace of family. And that in Jesus, we have been adopted into a family beyond comprehension where we are completely accepted and eternally loved. Looking into that manger with the angels, we find a prevailing peace washing over our soul. And this is good news because for some of us, this year is not ending the way that we had hoped. We're not sure what January will hold. And the angels show us that the nativity was a really, really big deal. And if Christ was born to give us second birth, do you think that God will abandon you now? I could go on and on. But in the face of sin and death, Christ came to give his life that with the angels, we might belong to the family of God. I love how Thomas Merton frames this. He says, it seems that we all have to face one sad thing after another. But let us not forget the hope our faith gives us. God is our strength and no amount of trouble should make us fail to realize it. On the contrary, trouble should help us deepen and confirm our trust. This is an old story, but as far as I'm concerned, it is the one we will always get back to. There is no other. And that is the beauty, the majesty, and the wonder of Christmas. That we come back to this ancient story. Because there is no other. As some of you know, about 12 weeks ago or a month or two ago, we brought home a golden retriever puppy. And it's been so much fun to watch her grow into her new life. She gets scared of the trash truck on Wednesday morning. She doesn't understand why we need to leave home throughout the day. She spent her first weeks growing up on a farm and sleeping in a barn at night. And the first night we brought her home, she got out of the car and just laid in the front yard, perfectly content to live outside in the darkness. From her perspective, she's just trying to make sense of it all. But from our perspective, we brought her home. She's part of the family, no longer destined to live outside in the darkness, but to live inside in a home filled with light life and if it makes sense with a dog how much more the nativity an innumerable number of heavenly beings waited for this one moment our adoption our life has been made complete in christ 
because he's the one who brings us home. Like George Bailey, sometimes we just need a little help from the angels to understand what's really going on. Let me pray for us. Oh God, you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Grant that we who have known the mystery of that light on earth may also enjoy him perfectly in heaven where with you in the Holy Spirit he lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen.